Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Eric Devin and Jeremy Smith. A mad midweek and an interrupted weekend gives us plenty to talk about this evening. But before we double dip into Liga and the European fixtures ahead in midweek this week as well, here are the latest headlines. Tuesday's fixtures saw Monaco get back to winning ways as two Radamel Falcao penalties pulled them out of the drop zone in their win over Amiens. Nice failed to capitalise on a number of great opportunities as they drew nil with Angers, while Nicolas Pepe's goal was enough to give Lille the win in a fun game against fellow surprise package Montpellier. On Wednesday, the first game of the Julien Stéphane reign at Rennes got off to an ideal start as they powered to a 2-0 win away at Lyon. Hatem Benarfa grabbed a great strike against his former club, while Jordan Sibacho netted his first goal for the Breton club. Another Champions League hopeful fell as Nantes came from behind to beat Marseille 3-2. The league's joint top scorer Emiliano Sala grabbed a goal and an assist as Loam have now lost more games this season they did in the entirety of the 2017-18 campaign. Paris Saint-Germain were almost caught out in Strasbourg for a second season in a row after a one-all draw. The teams split penalties and offside goals with the Alsace side inches from pulling out an unlikely win in the final moments. Toulouse won for the first time since September with a 1-0 victory over Reims. An awful mistake from Carl Johan Jonsson gifted Dijon a vital 2-1 win over bottom side. Gangomp Bordeaux scored in the final minute to see off Saint-Étienne in an enthralling 3-2 victory as Nîmes made it four wins in five Ligue 1 matches as they won 2-1 at Caen. This weekend, a number of games were suspended before taking the field due to the ongoing Jaune protests in France. Paris Saint-Germain versus Montpellier, Angers versus Bordeaux, Nîmes versus Nantes, Toulouse versus Lille, uh, Lyon, sorry, uh, Monaco versus Nice, and Saint-Étienne versus Marseille will now be played in a midweek slot in mid-January. On Saturday of the games that did go ahead, Amiens pulled off an enormous win that lifts them back out of the drop zone by beating Lowly Gangle 2-1. Jocelyn Govanek is still looking for his first win since returning to the club. His side now five points off those above him with one win all season long. Elsewhere, Wren continued their recent resurgence with another 2-0 win against Dijon. While on Sunday, while, oh, sorry, while on Sunday uh, Strasbourg couldn't quite keep a good thing going as they drew 2-2 with Com. Rats almost pulled off an unlikely win in the final match of the weekend, but Pepe's penalty with the final kick of the game broke their hearts in what was... An excellent, almost an excellent win for the newly promoted side. And that's all for now. But do keep up to date with things in the world of French football. Head on over to our website at www.getfootballfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week in Rennes, where before the midweek games got ahead, out went Sabri Lamouchi and in comes Julian Stefan at least for now. It's a temporary appointment for the time being. At, moment, at, well, at the time of speaking, at least, Eric. And it comes off the back of that 4-1 defeat that Lamouchi finally got given his marching orders. Four wins all season in the 15 games before the midweek fixtures. We always say that Ren are close to Europe. We say that they chop and change a little bit too often. But was this the right decision to get rid of Lamouchi at this point? Uh, I I mean, obviously we have the the archetypal new manager bounce happening. But to see it happen quite so dramatically, I think, uh, means that that decision has been validated. I think that given the investment Ren had made over the summer, and, and the previous summer, uh, they, they've spent quite a bit. Sibacheu, um, Ben Arfa, you know, again, you know, on a free, but considerable wages, Romain de Castillo, uh, Jacob Johansson on a free, there's wages involved there. There's still, there's a great deal of investment 
into this club. And I think that that they saw, you know, perhaps a, a bit of flux uh, at Monaco, obviously, and that they had a bit of a chance to move up, move up the ladder in Ligue 1, if you will. And I think that, you know, Strasbourg, especially since they switched to a back three, are, have been really banging form and they've been really impressive. But to lose that heavily to, to a team of such modest means really was the final nail in the coffin. It didn't seem like Ren had a sort of tactical identity, tactical cohesion. It seems it seemed that oftentimes that uh, Clément Grenier and Hassan Ben Arfa were stepping on each other's toes. Um, but now, within these last two matches, we're starting to see a little bit more form from Ben Arfa in particular. He scored in each of the last three league matches he's played in. Uh, Grenier is starting to look a little more comfortable with a little bit more space in front of him as Ben Arfa moves further forward. Uh, Saar is starting to find his feet again as well. And I think that it's it's been absolutely the right decision. I think that, you know, obviously Leon might have been uh, a little bit distracted in the midweek match, a little bit of fatigue. You know, and Dijon aren't any great shakes. Uh, speaking of yesterday's result, but but still, if if one looks uh, at the table below PSG, I mean, Lille are in second now, two points clear, but they could only draw today. Uh, I don't think personally that there's anything that says, you know. Even a place in the top three is too far for Ren if they catch form in the right way, especially if you've got um, the likes of, of a Leon, for example, uh, continuing to battle in the Champions League and some other sides ahead of them. I'm, I'm looking maybe at Montpellier, for example, uh, struggling with squad depth, as, as in there's not a lot of opportunities for those sides to rotate. So, yeah, I, I think this is this is the right decision. I think that Ren, given the talent they have on show, I mean, that's some of the best attacking talent in the league. Uh, I know it can be rather fitful, rather erratic in its nature, many of those players, but you know, on their day, Ren are, do have a lot of supremely talented individuals. I think particularly of Saar and Ben Arfa, but uh, I think that the, the hierarchy there was just a little too frustrated with the, the outlay of money they had in the last two summers and just wanted uh, the sort of results that they had hoped when they uh, got, managed to get into the Europa League last year. Absolutely, and that, that's the interesting thing, really, Jess, that Lamushi didn't really push on someone like Sarum when Hatem Ben Arfa came in and was fit. He didn't really excel in the way that we maybe anticipated him. We thought that maybe they'd got a striker in Jordan Sebacho that could maybe score the goals that they were missing last season from, from a striker's point of view, at least. Anyway, they have a lot of flair, a lot of money, but they never really seem to be moving forward. And then in these last two games under Stefan, with him coming into sort of interim charge, it's, it remains to be seen if he'll get the job full-time. Obviously, the stat red B coach as well so it would be promoting with him which would be a nice point a lot of the younger players would have seen him in the background for for a little while but they've while well, you could say it's maybe a new manager bounce at the same time they they already look more attacking more expressive Hatem Benarf has been able to get a couple of goals as well which doesn't hurt either is there positives to, to take that Stefan may be the man despite I'm assuming a number of people would be interested in the, the possibilities of a job of Ren with the with the finances they've got and the players they already have but it maybe Stefan might be the man to to take them forward uh yeah I think it remains to be seen I mean yes there's been a positive start so far and I think I read a, a stat that said that that the He's the first Ren manager for, since something like the 1930s to win his first two matches in charge. So I guess that bodes well. But the thing with Ren is, I just feel that so often that they've had everything has looked in place for them to, to build a stronger squad or have a stronger run or whatever. And there's always something, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch, that scuppers it. Um, Lamushi obviously had a, had a good. Um, uh, a good start or certainly a good finish for example to last season but there's always something going on and I I feel sorry for Lamushi I don't think he was given really a fair whack I mean he had I'm trying to remember I don't think he's been there for, for a full season for a full year rather so you know to, to say that they've had two good summers of signings they absolutely have but it's not like um the first summer was was down to him and frankly I don't think the second summer was down to him either because it's been well publicised that there's been a lot of tensions between 
um, him and the bosses and, and him and Lecton don't get on. And I'm not sure how many of the summer signings actually were Lamouchis in any way. I think he he, spe he specified the positions that he wanted to strengthen in. Um, they basically strengthened in all the other positions and weakened the ones that he he, he wanted to, to to have more backup in. So yeah, on paper that there, there, there is a good squad, but you know, attacking wise, there's only so many you can play. Then Arthur, I think, well, you know, it's, it's not going to come to anyone as news to anyone who's heard me before. I'm absolutely not one of his biggest fans, and yeah, so he raises himself against Leon just so he can go death fans. But you know, if, if if there was one player I didn't want in the trenches with me, it would be him. Um, and I just. I, I feel a little bit sorry for Lubushi. I think he was, you know, he was having some of his calls undermined, and I think once that happens, even if the if a lot of the, the changing one was on your side beforehand, um, if they know that you're not a lame duck, but know that you know if they're unhappy, they can always go to the, the sort of president or the sporting director and play the two off against each other. I think it puts you in a difficult position. And you know, mention of Saar, I actually think Saar has, has been a hell of a lot better this year than last year, for example. I think there were injury niggles, but there was also a lot of inconsistency and a lot of, of, sort of wasted promise and poor final product. This year, I think it's been producing a bit more consistently. Um, and you know, uh, that could be down to Lumushi as much as anyone else. He's the one who's coaching him and sort of nurturing him. So I do feel sorry for him, but certainly so far so good for Stefan. He's obviously well thought of. He's obviously, you know, it was well known that Henri wanted him to, to come to, to join him at Monaco. So, you know, there must be a reason why he's in demand. So, and I think a few of the REM players sort of tweeted how happy they were that he was, he was taking charge for the moment, although that might just be, you know, trying to guarantee they get a starting spot. So, I don't think too much should be read yet into these two results. The Lyon one was a particularly good one, but it is Lyon we're talking about. We know that they can do this kind of thing. Um, and, you know, 2 0 at, at home against a team who are third, fourth, and bottom, no, fourth or fifth, rather. Um, you know, I don't think that's anything to get too excited about yet. So I'm, I'm not ready to say that this was a, a, a great move yet and that that will be the interesting thing heading into the winter break that's fast approaching us eric i mean they've had since january 2016 they've had four different managers they had philip montani obviously and it was a very inconsistent few years under um the then after that nottingham forest manager and then roland corbis came in and uh, didn't really move the needle that much after a decent spell at montpellier and then the sort of blockbuster one of Christian Gorkouf, where a lot of Ligue 1 clubs were looking at him, but he never moved the needle much. And uh, Sabri Lamouchi sort of went on the same sort of radar of everyone else of up and down, left and right, instead of going forwards really more than anything else. But go back to really Stefan, like Jess says, he's well thought of. He's obviously going to get some t a le little bit more time before anyone else comes in. You would imagine. You I can't see that Ren will be bringing someone in before that winter break hits us. That means they've got games against Astana in midweek. They've got Gangomp away from home, which at the moment should really be a, a, a free pass given Gangomp. But we'll talk about those in a moment. Um, they've got the derby, but also in the in the Coupe de la Ligue against Norton, um, a home game against Nîmes, who are absolutely flying at the moment, really. But uh, four games that you would see at least as winnable. Maybe, arguably, the Nantes game will be a little bit more tougher. But if he does get the results there, it's going to be difficult if with other people looking at him as well, not to offer him the job permanently, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that, I think that Bren should take a flyer on this. I mean, if they get Europa League qualification in, in terms of advancing into into the, the knockout round, that that's great. Uh, but I think that there's really an opportunity to continue to develop the young players that we have on hand here. And I think that already we're seeing a you know a level of of green shoots with with some of these players that they're being given more of a chance. And looking at and Banyang and Sibacheo in particular under Stefan seem to be being given more of a chance. James Leo Saliki as well uh, started yesterday. He's a player who'd really been in the shadows the last few weeks under 
sorry, the last few months under Lamushi, and I think uh, unfairly so, Benjamin Borijo as well. Uh, players that were very integral down the stretch for, for Lamushi last year, he seemed to be ignoring them. And I think that Stefan realizes the, the level of talent they have and is willing to get them back in a chance now that perhaps stakes are a little bit, uh, I guess I'll say a little bit tempered by expectation at this point in time. It's also good to see, I should say, uh, Abdullah Diallo back inside uh, after coming back from injury. Uh, he's a keeper who's had a pretty decent uh, season after finally getting his chance uh, and uh, well deserved to see him uh, back in the 11 there for a run as well. I think he's one of the flashpoints because I think he's one that lets on his demanding be put back into the team, whereas Lenushi was more of a Kubek there. Absolutely. It's an interesting battle to have, at least. Anyway, I don't think many teams will be arguing between those two goalkeepers. They're a bit more um, quality than some of the others on show, at least, anyway, in league on this season. But uh, a chance to get through to the Europa League would be massive if he, if Stefan can do that. And then two games they should really be winning in Liga as well as a interesting cup game where if you can get a win over your rivals it's always a good thing um, he's got a real chance to get that job and maybe Ren avoiding the, the sort of either outsider or blockbuster sort of uh, managerial signing for a change might be the right path to go since it's not really worked out for them the last few times at least anyway um, going on to a team who's got from bad to worse, really, so far this season, is Gangomp, who are rock bottom of the league on on just eight points. The closest team to them is is still Monaco on 13 after Amion beat them at the weekend and lifted above the uh, Principality Club. But they've been pretty awful, really, in absolutely honest. Jez, they've only won one game all season long. That was back on week eight against Angers. We said then at that moment, it looked like maybe they were turning a corner. They obviously allowed Kumbuare to go. Since then, they've still not won a game They're under Jocelyn Govanek since his return. In fact, they've not really changed par, of course, at all, really. Um, it goes down to two really, really bad defeats in the last week as well. I mean, Dijon was avoidable in all senses because of the Janssen mistake, which was... Well, you saw the players on the floor after he made it, at least, anyway. And then the one that compounds it this weekend, losing to their second, well, the team just above them then in, in Amion. They've got Monaco just before the winter break as well, who so they could be even further of a gap coming for them soon. Um, they're in deep water already, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, they're, they're, they're really putting a mess from last year. Um, but, you know, it's, it's get out of the ball, but it, it really doesn't look good at the moment. Um, and it's 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 hard to see why on paper I don't think they're certainly not the worst team in in, in Niga. I'm not sure that they're they're among the worst three in Niga. Um, you look at for example the back five, the keeper in the back four. I still think Kerbrat and Sorbonne are still one of my favourite centre back pairings. I guess that they're, they're getting a little bit old now, but. They are, you know, they should have the experience and the nafs to, to certainly not be conceding I think it's 34 goals um, so far, for example. Roboshaw, I think, is a decent left back. Ikoko, we know, is a good right back. There's just, <laughs> it, all through the team, there's sort of disappointment and underperformances and underachievement. Um, <clears throat> you know, Blast and Coco were were being seen as the two of the next big things and the next possible France internationals after what they did with the, the international youth sides and they really haven't kicked on at all. Um, and Bakoto, certainly from, from a mess point of view, he was, you know, he was good. He was good and he was a favourite, but I'm not sure that he's sort of real league ass star quality. And and there's other players that you know, Rodelan, Rude, for example, they can have purple patches, as we saw probably from both of them at times last season. But again, do you want to rely on, on their goals to, to get you through? And Turan as well, I, you know, I can see potential there, but I do wonder if it's more about the name than anything else sometimes. So I just I feel like they should be doing more. And I really hope that that Gulvenek, obviously with his ties to the club, and you know, I, I still rate him as a as a coach, even though it went wrong in the end of Bordeaux. I thought that he he could get the best out of them, but 
yeah, just I, I don't know what the issue is, why everything's going on there. And, and as you said, you know, it's the kind of mistake that Johnson made the other day, I think straight after after they'd equalised, is that's the kind of thing that really makes heads drop. And I think it's difficult to raise them again when, when things like that happen at such important junctures. Yeah, it was a, it's one of the worst goalkeeping mistakes I've seen in a, in a long while, really. They had no problem with that, just catch it, really. And to drop that in the back again of the net against the Dijon side, who have also been pretty awful in the most recent run, it was really a hammer blow. And it's compounded by the result this weekend as well, Eric, where they maybe could have caught up some ground with other teams not playing as well, maybe breed some confidence heading into the final few games before this winter break. But, but looking at their problems again, Eric, they can't, they've got the worst defence in the league. They can't keep teams out. And then going forward, I mean, Marcus Turama has got six goals this season, but four are from the penalty spot. So we can kind of have a disclaimer there. The next one is Nicola Benazay, who can not stay fit regularly enough to only in sort of spits and spurts, really. He's got three goals. After that, there's no one with more than one, really. So you can see where the problems are. It's kind of at both ends of the table. And then you start thinking, how can they resolve it? I, I, yeah, I have to agree with what Jeremy said that they're not the worst team in the league. They're not the worst team. They're not maybe not even in the bottom three on paper, but they've been especially hard hit by injuries. And I I don't think that that's been given enough credence. I think that you know I, again I know Nolan Rue has had his uh, his foibles, but I think the fact that Mess were in were weren't relegated when they were was was down to his scoring prowess last season. I think that Ronnie Rodlan has been incredibly instrumental in keeping Khan up in recent seasons. And I, th- I think that there is talent there. I, th- I think that the, a really under, underrated loss uh, has been Luca Doe. He's missed, uh, I think, a, something on the, on the order of a half dozen matches uh, in defensive midfield as well. I think that you know, you've got an over-reliance then on Etienne Dito, who's, what, 35, 36? Uh, and alongside him, the options are, are pretty similar. You've got, okay, Levagang Piri, who's, you know, hasn't done much for me. He's a very prosaic presence, but doesn't offer nearly anything going forward. Maybe Gasuma Fofana, who signed from Amiens in the summer, is a little bit better, but I, I don't see him having any sort of consistency either. Um, and the same goes with Blah. So I, I think that, you know, Gangam had a decent. Um, summer i think that the the leadership and the play of jimmy Briand, who has continued to do fairly well for bordeaux has really hit them hard and i think i think that that's a frustrating situation but i also think that they they bought well to to replace the veteran and i think that they perhaps just should you know if if these players that they brought in had maintained a relative level uh, of, of performance. I mean, Broadland and Rue, I mean, right, they're not spring chickens, but they're neither are they so old that uh, one would expect their performances to tail off. Uh, were they fit and playing at a normal level, I think that there would be there would be a, a more reasonable expectation. I would say mid-table. I don't think anybody would consider the contenders for Europe, but uh, they're not cut away. And I, I think that you know, if you look at a side that I think, sides that I think are more limited, uh, an Amiens, a Dijon, uh, a Caen, I think those sides are all former, far more limited on paper. Uh, you know, I, I know Caen have a decent back line and some exciting players like Federico Gibert, but there's there's no reason Gangnam should be where they are at the foot of the table uh, other than injuries. And I think that given time to get these players fit, to have some time to work with them over the winter break, I think that they'll come back stronger and make a real fist of of staying up. I don't think that they're doomed. I think that they've been just a little bit snake bitten, and you know, much like we saw um, with uh, perhaps I think Jardim at uh, at Monaco. I think that with Com- speaking to Kambuwari situation, I think that he had you know somewhat overachieved with that side during his time there, and I think that. You know, perhaps um, the veteran players had just perhaps tuned him out, having having been under his stewardship for so long. So Gorvanek has been given, you know, a relatively decent side. I know Thoram sometimes flatters to deceive, but I think there's some potential there as well. And maybe playing this side in a diamond uh, with 
um, one of Benazir Rodley behind a partnership of Thram and and Rue once they're both fit. I think that there there are some there is potential there for this side to to recover because I think that you know Gangup have been a really nice story since since their promotion, and we'd like to see that continue. And they should again should have the tools to do it um, going towards the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and a couple of games left of this. Um half of the season at least anyway and we've already mentioned one team that they've got to face they've got to face a, a resurgent Ren side that are on a, a bounce at the moment and then they finish off away to Monaco which gets bigger and bigger by the week depending on which Monaco team turns up really it's going to be a massive I think the, 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 sorry just sorry to interrupt but the Brion point is really interesting because it when he went to Bordeaux Gangle really annoyed and you know, kind of said all right, we, we begrudgingly sort of agreed to let him go, but the whole, you know, as long as he didn't go to, to another league out team, and, and they were really upset when he did. And it all seemed at the time, why, why are you getting so upset over a, you know, a real veteran? And maybe with hindsight, he was giving giving the team a hell of a lot more than, than people thought, maybe not just on the pitch, but off it as well. And as, as Eric said, uh, he's, he's really performing well at Bordeaux as well. So, Maybe he's a, a much bigger loss than certainly I gave, gave him credit for at the time. And I was just about to mention, Jez, another player that we've probably, a little bit at least anyway, some League of fans might have forgotten completely almost, but that contributed a lot in Yannis Saliba, really. I mean, he's not really done anything on loan at Santetti, and he's thinking that the, the grass is greenest elsewhere. He's not really got a game. He's only played three times for them, really, and most of the time off the bench, really. He's not scored. He's someone who was really good for Gangomp and gave them a lot and gave them a lot of balance on the on the opposite side. Coco scored plenty of goals, was linked with, with Premier League clubs at a time and, and can maybe give them a spark, maybe if they can convince him to come back, knowing he's getting at least game time for a bit and put himself in the shop window a little bit. Again, maybe that's another place. But that that's the interesting side for any, any side at the bottom of the table at this time of year. Jez is with the finances in Liga and comparatively to somewhere like the Premier League, it's a lot harder to buy yourself out of trouble. So, what can they do in the summer if they if they don't feel like they can train these players up and maybe they need one one or two additions to the squad? It's it's, it's a juggling act, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, in January, I just think everything's everything's risky making moves in January, and a lot of it might be down to, to sort of which loan signings they can bring in. Um, but yeah, but it, more more likely than not, it is going to be, I guess, players like Saliba, players who you know were expecting first team football aren't getting it at other French clubs, and and are going to hope to to use that as a springboard for the second half of the season. But obviously, a lot depends on who who is available or which players their owners make available and um you know unless it's a kind of player like Jordan Ferry who who Gangon were linked to before he went to um Nim, I think it was. Mm. It was Nim, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um Gangon's relegation rivals are unlikely to, to, to offer offer them anyone that could strengthen them. And the teams higher up, because the league is so compressed that there is competition everywhere and players and teams are going to be looking, you know, either a few maybe are still left in European football or others are pushing for European football. I'm not sure there's there's many clubs that are going to be offering many of their players out to, to others so I, I think it is slim pickings and I think the January window whatever position any club is in I think it's it's rare that a team has a really strong January window and certainly rare that they have a sort of season changing one that you know, defines defines their season um, it doesn't take much I mean you need it, you know in most leagues in the world I think we one of the main things you need is, is just a decent goal scorer because as Mess found last year, it didn't save them. But you know, as Eric said, Rue hit such a good goal scoring, goal scoring form that it did sort of delay the inevitable for a long time. And Gangon are not as far adrift as Mess are. So 
you know, if they could find someone or get someone fit who is capable of scoring you know, 10 goals, a dozen goals through the second half of the season, that could well be the difference between keeping them up or not. But, um, you know, it may be a case of finding them from within, either getting someone someone fit who hasn't been available or, um, you know, Turam suddenly finding his goal scoring boots or something because, um, I'm not sure you want to be relying on, on being able to bring someone in that's going to change everything for them. Mm, absolutely. And then the worry is they play Ren next weekend as, as Conface to lose, which is while well, they're on a bad run of form themselves, that you could argue that Con may feel they can get a win out of a two side that have been struggling except from getting finally a win. Uh, last weekend, uh, Monaco faced Leon, so there's a bit of a chance then, but when you face them just before the winter break, if you lose that game, having lost against Ren, you sort of falling further and further back it starts to get more desperate and some of the players go into that winter break with that uh, that sinking feeling I'm sure they'll hope that uh, they can try to avoid that uh, on to the midweek fixtures more wholly now really because there was a lot of little upsets really it was a really fantastic midweek round and starting with a couple of the teams that are in Champions big Champions League action midweek as well and we'll start with the leaders Paris Saint-Germain Eric, who have successive draws. It took a while for anyone to take any points off of them. And it, as the saying always goes, you, you wait for one bus and two come at once. And Strasbourg almost nicked it as well. Are they Obviously, Paris Saint-Germain had a goal rightfully called for offside and Strasbourg had a goal in the last couple of minutes rightfully called just offside for, for Thomas and the header. But yet again, they're sort of the, the kryptonite to this Paris Saint-Germain times, team at times, aren't they, Strasbourg? And uh, PSG have got a few things they maybe need to be concerning themselves about. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that, you know, I, okay, it would be foolhardy to suggest that PSG are going to have any other result with this season other than winning the league at a trot. But until we saw from Bordeaux last weekend, I think that what we saw from Strasbourg in midweek, that PSG aren't impregnable and that they can struggle, uh, especially if you've got um, you know a, a, a teams that, that play with a lot of width and have a lot of pressing energy and and uh, you know in the form of Levo Matiba, for example, a lot of physicality um, that. PSG, you know, I, I think that I, I like the uh, the three-man defense that Tuchel's played. I think it gives considerably more freedom to Neymar and Mbappe, which is what one wants to do, to give your two best attacking players that, that level of freedom and attacking autonomy. But it also could place an over-reliance on players who who have limitations. Uh, I mean, Prednel Kampembe, for example, is is normally a fairly solid steward uh, on the left side of that, that back three, he's a fantastic passer of the ball. But, uh, you know, we've seen with France that sometimes he, you know, has a bit of jangling nerves. Uh, Thilo Kerr, I think, has is improving but still struggles for consistency at times. Um, and, you know, Thiago Silva has been had a very strong 2018. I, I think it would be difficult to argue otherwise, but I think that, you know, he still shows his age at times. So bearing that in mind, I think that, uh, you know, if if PSG are going to play against a side like Strasbourg with similar width and uh, a real impetus for playing on the counter, um, and you know you've got combative midfielders like Jonas Martin and uh, Ibrahim Sissoko, that you're you're going to have a battle in the trenches. I, I know that Sissoko in particular perhaps is not of the greatest technical quality, but he's certainly willing to get stuck in and, and play hard. And I think that playing against that style of football just has the potential to set PSG back on their heels a little bit. Because the nature there is, is that they have been so successful playing on the counter. If you look at, for example, their, their, some of their better Champions League nights. And it's, it's, this isn't the PSG of, of Embry or, or years past that where they're cycling the ball over and keeping control. There's a, a little bit more of an element of trying to make Mbappe the focal point, use his pace, uh, to 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 catch teams out, and you know, then you set yourself up for the counter counter attack, if you will. And I think that that that's been able to get them caught caught back at their heels. I mean, Bordeaux again, same thing last weekend. They had very pacey players in in the form of a uh, of a Jan Caramo as well, giving them quite a bit of difficulty. So 
again, there's not a formula for success against PSG because not every team has the level of organization and the level of drive to make it work. But I can certainly see more points being dropped in the near future uh, were they to come up against a team that plays with that sort of verb. I mean, the match that was that was canceled this weekend, I was frankly very excited to see. Uh, you know, given how well Montpellier have played, again, you know, on the counter with with high intensity, uh, with a high intensity style of play. So, and particularly with two excellent attacking wingbacks uh, as well, there are Noyongo and Aguilar. So, again, I think that you know nothing ventured, nothing gained. Tuchel can use this to you know knock on wood as PSG progressing in the Champions League uh, to sort of you know make this be a bit of a corrective and and to see. Okay, this is drawn out some weaknesses for us. Is that three four one two or three five two? Whatever it's just three four three. Whatever system you want to call it, is that system going to make sense against every opponent, or do we have to play a four three three at times or a four three one two? Um, you know, does a midfield of Marquinhos and, and Julian Draxler work in every situation? Uh, if Adrian Rabio is going to continue to be a peripheral figure as he seems to have been in recent weeks, so. It's food for thought for PSG more than anything worrying, I would say. But it, it certainly does it does and has made for some compelling viewing uh, over the past seven days. Absolutely. And they come up in a, a situation in midweek with that food for thought, really, where they, they're winning, they're definitely in against Red Star. But heading to Serbia, I'm sure that the Belgrade side will be pumped up, shall we say, Jez, to, to try and play as spoiler, really, because a draw might be enough, but also might not be. It obviously depends on that result between Napoli and Liverpool, but Red Star have shown already in this group that they can pull off a result at home against uh, either of the sides they faced already, really. They, this is a difficult place to go to, and with PSG not maybe quite as rampant in the league as previously, it's causing some question marks at least ahead of the game yeah i mean it's 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 difficult to read too much into league and matches because they've basically got the lead sewn up and <laughs> we say it so often but it is all about the champions league with them so it's you they can be forgiven for taking their foot off the gas a little bit sort of post liverpool and pre the the big decider this week um but I think the Bordeaux and Strasbourg results showed that um, if you you don't give PSG too much credit and you are willing to, to to kind of stand up to them, then they can be got at. And Red Star, both the team and the sort of atmosphere, they're not an easy prospect, particularly um, in the in the Maracanã there, and they've. But I think they've, they've had a win and a draw in the group so far, so that you know they're proving that it's it's not it's not an easy place to go to to get a result. Um, and I still think that there there are some mental weaknesses in that PSG team, and that they can be sort of shaken up. And I, I still expect them to get through, but I don't think it's it's a formality. And I. I you know, I, I can see a couple of real scares before it happens, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with with Eric that I think PSG are probably at their best sort of on the break, on the break, playing very very quick football. But um, yeah, I th I'm sure Red Star have worked that out after after the first match, and and they're certainly not going to sort of lie down and, and let PSG walk into the next round. Um, and I think we discussed it after the Liverpool match. What I was really impressed with was how, for the first time, PSG looked mentally up for it. I think they need to go up another level this week. I think, as I said, at home to a European great like Liverpool, that's relatively easy to do. But I want, you know, I want to see players like Neymar, Di Maria, Draxler do it away in a really intimidating atmosphere when the chips are absolutely down and i'm still not 100 percent convinced that they're all capable of doing that but it'll be interesting to see if they do get a little bit jangled 
by uh, Red Star in midweek. And before we move on to the, the other Champions League hopeful that we have, Eric, I just wanted to quickly mention Strasbourg, really, because it was a, a great result. They got a, a fantastic win the weekend before. They'll be really disappointed they let the one slip against Caen um, earlier today, really, because it would have been a, an excellent week for them, really, and a number of players we've mentioned before, like Liam Motiba, who's had a terrific start to the season with him. And I love with his uh, tucked-in shirt as well, which is a, a nice fashion choice, at least anyway, he's separates him from the crowd. But one, one player I wanted to highlight, although he did give away the penalty in the end, he did score the one that, that got them in front. And that's uh, Kenny Lala, who's even getting France national team talk at the moment, really. He's had a terrific season. Yeah. I mean, again, what is he, 27, 28? I, I don't know that, you know, putting him in discussion for France necessarily makes sense. But I think he's he's definitely been, uh, you know, one of the guys quietly better better presences. Him and Lino Carroll on the opposite flank as well is 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 no small potatoes either. I think that both of them have really been given uh, you know a lot of a lot more freedom uh, since Strasbourg has searched at three five two. You know, I I kind of wonder what a table would look like from week five or week six whenever they did that. Would I think Strasbourg would be comfortably inside the top six uh, if one if one were to take a look at that. I think that um, you know, the inclusion of, of Mutiba, who, uh, who doesn't start regularly. I'm not really sure exactly what's going on there. Maybe he's a Paco Alcacer type player that, that Terry Lurie feels he's more effective off the bench. Uh, but yeah, I think that Adrian Thomason is starting to look more comfortable as well. Um, and, but Lalag and again, and, and Carol both, you know, playing as wingbacks rather than as, as part of a back four are both really fantastic players going forward. And I think that with a slightly less defensive responsibility and more creative impetus to use their pace and cross-state ability and having a very solid target man in Mutheba uh, has really made all the difference in the world for that team tactically. I mean, they already had a pretty solid midfield uh, with the likes of Martin and Sissoko, who I think has been a really canny replacement, maybe even an improvement given their form this season on, on Aulu. I know Aulu's injured at the time at present, but Sissoko, you know, has a lot of cultish energy and, has a good eye for a pass as well, uh, especially into wide areas. So, you know, he's got the targets there in terms of Carol and Lala. So, yeah, that tactical shift has really brought the best out of a variety of players. And, you know, there's other players look, looking at the likes of Martinez and Limincone who have really, you know, been rejuvenated uh, by that by that role as well. I mean, they'd sort of been afterthoughts, uh, you know, in their previous situations. Uh, but they're looking, okay, not like world beaters, but they're looking, they're looking to be, you know, average or above, maybe even above average league center back. So there's, you know, really something special there, Brian and under Thierry Loray. I wasn't very high on Strasbourg uh, ahead of the season, to be quite frank. I, I like the signing of Sels quite a bit, but I was concerned as to how uh, the loss, the losses that they had there, uh, you know, would uh, Alou and uh, Stefan Bauken would. Would, would suss themselves out. But it, it looks like it's been, this team is, obviously they're not France's most improved. I mean, they have to look to Lille Montpellier in that regard. But um, they've been a, you know, a really under underrated success story uh, this season since that tactical shift. So well done to Loray and well done to those those managers. Or that yeah. man, Sorry, those players, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. I think Loray showing how good of a manager he is. We already knew that um, from his previous spell, really, back in Liga, but with Strasbourg as well, he's just showing, keeping them up, keeping them in a solid mid-table position this season with some interesting players. And we, we all know about the plan there that the, hopefully they can become a, a bit of a stalwart in this league again. And uh, they've got real great manager to keep that in but I'm sure other people will be looking at the job he's doing at this moment and uh, casting uh, admiring glances should any vacancies come up uh, a little bit higher in the table or even higher up in the table in Europe uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, on to the other side in, in midweek action this week and it is Leon Jess who in the last game weren't too great I mean Leon we've been mentioning the last couple of weeks at least anyway except from maybe the Manchester City game you might argue that um, we're maybe getting away with a couple of games the Bordeaux one they, they sort of let that one slip against uh, against Gangomp they allowed them too much sort of space to get into the game a little bit against Lille in midweek it was a fa sorry in the last weekend it's a fantastic game really but um, they maybe looked out a little bit to get to 2-2 and then 
midweek they didn't really get themselves involved they had a couple of chances really but they never really looked like coming from behind and it's sort of a story of Genesio's time at the club really and I'm sure fans just keep coming on his back really and it's a big game coming midweek now because uh, Shakhtar they're going away from home knowing that you need at least a point really but how you play that really do you want to allow Shakhtar the chance to to get into the game with their European pedigree and the, and the chance they have it's it's a big week for them isn't it yes I saw after the Ren match someone someone tweeted anyone who's who's saying that um, this is not an ideal pro- you know the, the Ren defeat is not an ideal pro- Preparation for for Leon's European match hasn't seen any of Leon over the last two or three years, which I think is true. You know, as if you're a neutral, then Leon probably still the team to watch because you know they've got players who can be absolutely fantastic or awful, and as a team they can you know, the same thing. One one week they can they can look like world beaters, and and the next week relegation candidates and. You know, as for Lyon fans, it's, I can see why it's extremely uh, frustrating and understand to an extent. I'm not sure he deserves as much as he gets, but I certainly understand to an extent that the stick that Genesio gets for not being able to to get good performances out of quality players week in, week out. I still think the players get away with, some of the players anyway, get, get away with a little bit too much. Um, the match against Ren. I mean, it was. If you look at the stats, it was a little bit of an outlier in that, um, you know, they certainly had the, the bulk of the chances, and, and they were sort of hit by, by two goals in two minutes. The first one, obviously, a very good finish from Ben Arthur. Um, it was just a pity that in the second half there wasn't any kind of reaction, or not much of a reaction. You know, they did hit the woodwork and they tried to get back into it and. You know, being generous, you could say it's just one of those matches that happen sometimes. You know, we tried, we couldn't, couldn't quite. You know, it felt like one of those matches where whatever happened, we were destined not to score. Or you can be a lot harsher and say this is classic Leon. They should be doing better than this. And you know, why can they raise their their games against the, the, the very good opposition? But um, in in matches like this, which you know, I'm not going to disrespect Ren by saying a run of the run of the mill win, but a match that on paper it should not be the most daunting of matches, and considering the form that, that Ren are in right now, um, why can't they turn up? And I mean, you can say it of a few teams, but and, you know, even more so today after after Lille you know, scraped that scraped that draw against Nas. But the fact Lyon should be. I think a lot of us were saying it before the start of the season. Lyon should be walking, I think, second place and even giving PSG a bit of a run for their money in terms of first place. Um, the fact that they that they can count themselves lucky that they, they're still well in the hunt for second place, and it's only because so many other teams are showing consistency because they're getting, you know, they keep getting second, third, fourth chances. Um, they're not necessarily taking them. And I still think somehow by the end of the season, they, they, they would have taken second place, but it shouldn't be as as uncomfortable as this. It has been a somewhat of an uncomfortable season, might be the best way to describe the first half of this campaign, really, Eric. But it does come down to a big game in midweek in Ukraine, because like we say, it'd be fantastic for Leon to go through and for our, for the French coefficient as well, no doubt. But two teams through the group stages would be ideal and they've got a great chance at it. Can they do it? Uh, it's, it's, it's a million well, dollar question. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. You know, I, I think that I think that Leon's season has really, really been defined by consistency. I mean, some of that is in terms of attitude. If you look at a player like Memphis, uh, some of that's due to a really an unexplainable drop in form. Uh, looking at someone like Bertrand Traore, uh, who was really incandescent on the back end of last season, but has been, you know, I would venture so far as to say liability, given his given his play uh, coming out as a substitute, where Leon drop drop points in recent matches. Um, Nabil Fekir has struggled with injury. I mean, he looked brilliant against City at the Etihad. Uh, he was great a week later against Marseille, but 
you know, uh, then that tackle from Thiago Silva sidelined him for a month, and he missed the matches against Hoffenheim and still seems to be not quite back to his best. Um, you know, Marcelo seems a, not quite to be the player he was last season. Um, and and there have been, been, you know, patches of, of poor form from um, from Ndombele as well. I think he, he took a little while to settle, uh, to start the season after being linked with moves away. So I, I think it's there's been a multitude of factors, but I think that it's this has been a season by that's been def, been defined by uh, a state of flux for Leon. It's it's really really hard to make that to make that uh, decision. If you if they can beat a team that for many is prohibitively the best in the world, uh, or and you know remain unbeaten with them over over two two fixtures, that team you know playing like that. Absolutely, there's no question. But the Leon that gives in to selfishness, that struggles with its fitness, that struggles with its form, is is ripe for the picking. So we don't know who's going to show up. But but you know, as we said, it'll be compelling football one way or the other. I'm sure. That would be the thing. And I quickly want to make a point on on Nebel Fick here. And I, uh, the initial statement will sound a little bit strange, but do do keep with me. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, with these injuries that he gets and these little knocks. It reminds me a little bit of, of sort of a Wayne Rooney, where they would have a great bit of form. They'd be in terrific nick. They'd be scoring goals and creating, and then they'd have a little niggle where where they'd be out for a week or two, maybe, and then it takes them four, five, six games to sort of get the motor running again. And that's like you say, Eric. So sort of the thing I think we're seeing with Nabil Fakir that not for a month is still maybe still taking time to get his engines running again and it, it, it's, a, it's a frustrating one when you have such a talented player but you you just know when that 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 when the Royals in their engine again they'll start getting things going but it's a it's certainly a massive game for Leon and uh, we all wish them the best to try and get through that one uh, we're going to finish tonight with the sort of league uh, snapshots and I, I think I've left a bit of an open goal really for Jez to speak about his favorite team for his snapshot because we were going to speak about Marseille this evening now and I'm pretty sure you'd <laughs> quite like to take a, a, a nice shot at their uh, 3-2 loss to Nol. <laughs> um, I mean so much of what I said about Lyon actually could also apply to Marseille and I think the same the same with the fans that, that both both teams fans are sort of so up and down as well um, and again as a neutral it's not often that non-star in a game where that, that you'd want to be watching as a neutral, but but not Marseille the other day really really was was an excellent match. It sort of swung back and forth and, and not end up ended up coming out on top. But yeah, for Marseille it was just it was the same kind of thing. You know, poor poor defending, um, relying on on Tovin, you know, hoping that that he'd bail them out of it, and in the end. They weren't quite, you know, in a, in a match that that did look a little bit more difficult. Um, they they weren't quite up to it, and um, again, as a neutral, it is frustrating because after last season and after all the positive sounds coming out of the club, they should have been taking a step forward. And I know I've said it so many times, but I just don't feel that they are. I think if anything, they they've gone backwards because. Um, I think last year they overachieved thanks to the sort of never say die or you know ne never beaten mentality that Garcia instilled in them. But I think it's very hard to, to rely only on that over a longer period. Payet hasn't got a, a, a World Cup to suddenly look like he cares about um, his football for. Um, so he's, he's slipped back into a little bit of uh, sort of... <sighs> Suffisance, I can't think of the English word now, which is usually the other way around. Um, and there's just... You know, the, Self-satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, there's... there's, um, there's. I don't think that their squad is as talented as, as Lyon's. And I, 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 go, I go from one extreme to the other with Marseille as well, in that I think that's... The squad should be doing better than they are, but also when you look at them, you think well, some of them are actually relatively limited. And, and I, you know, I don't think Garcia has been served very well, despite all his all his mouthing off um, by Ejo and, and Zuzaretta and the courts. I don't think he's been served very well by what they've done in the transfer window. And, and 
I think he probably is fighting a bit of a losing battle. And again, the fact that they're still in touch with second place says a lot about how too many teams are, are not showing any kind of consistency or putting a, a really strong run together because you know the Marseille fans are in the doldrums and saying they're in crisis they're still well up there as well and, and again they shouldn't be either let me can I throw this back at you back sure. at you Jeremy I wrote the piece I wrote this week midweek for the Guardian I feel like Marseille's troubles at the back I mean they had the second best attack in Liga, I believe I, I don't know maybe someone moved ahead of them this weekend I don't think so I feel like this is on Garcia if, with his play in this 3-5-2. Look, a 3-5-2 you, works with attack-minded fullbacks. We think about how well that's done for Strasbourg, uh, how well that's done for Montpellier this season with playing Oyongo and Aguilar. They, they, were left back, they were a left back and a right back. They're, they're attack-minded. They play more in a more advanced position. But if you have Lucas Ocampos playing as, as a right back or Bruno Sar, or sorry, as a wing back, both of them are converted attacking players. I don't think they have the discipline necessary to, to, to play in that way. And I think that Garcia persisting with that 3-4-3, whatever, three at the back, uh, is really damaging his team's chances by leaving the likes of an Adil Rami, who's slow, the likes of a Pubakar Kamara, who's callow, who's inexperienced, hasn't had any experience really playing as part of a back three, or Hiroki Sakai, who's not really a center back. Uh, leaving them exposed in those positions is what's undoing them defensively. So for as much credit as Garcia gets for last season, I think that Marseille's recent, particularly since wishing that system and consistencies, are down to the manager. I mean, I, the only thing I'd say to that is, again, I, I think the, the players they've got, I, I just I don't think there's many, if any, really truly decent defenders in that in that club. So possibly he's, he's kind of thinking attack is the best form of defence and you know, if you've only got, if you don't have any decent defenders and play in a formation where you only really need three rather than four, um, I'm I'm speculating, but I I I I don't think it matters what formation. I just don't think they're they're de the defenders that they have in their squad are Champions League worthy or even European worthy defenders. But Campos to me is like. I said it before about Vincent Pajot. I'm not even sure how he's a professional footballer. And as you said, Saar, I do think is a talented player, but has never really found his, his best position. And, you know, a bit like Lala earlier, the fact that he's being mentioned as, as a possible um, France right back says more about the, the paucity of, of good French right backs at the moment. But I, I, to me, I, I would put that a little bit more. I can understand the, the, the argument about um, the formation not best serving them, but I would still put it more on, on Ehron Zubizarreta not bringing in any decent defenders. Yeah, it'd be a, one that constantly rumbles on at least anyway. Uh, Eric, what's your legal snapshot this week? Oh, I just, uh, I think that was a really nice goal uh, from Saif Erinkwai to Kawi, sorry, to equalise for Caen. Was a really important point for for the visitors there uh, this afternoon, and I, I think that he's a player who really looked impressive at times. For, uh, he's on loan from Marseille. Really looked impressive at, for for long spells at Trois last season, but really hasn't had much of a chance um, playing for Con under um, under Mercadal, which is surprising. Mercadal prefers a four two three one. You one would think that Kelly would have a natural place there as a number ten, uh, but he's really struggled to get into the team and has looked somewhat ineffective when he has. Um, so good to see uh, you know him him have a good match and, and and good to know that or a good cameo appearance and good to know that there's still more to come from him. He's always a player who, you know, I know Trois were pretty poor last season, but he was someone who could often make their matches uh, a little bit more more worth watching. So good to see him on the score sheet uh, for the Norman side today. Yeah, and a couple from me. One being. Um... Blimey, Emiliano Sala is uh, showing us all wrong, isn't he? 12 goals, joint top scorer scored a nice goal against Marseille and set up even one as well with uh, some good hold-up play. It's uh, 
those bells from the Premier League mid-table to lower table sides all ringing around their ears. I'm sure Nott will want to keep him under wraps and hope he doesn't score a couple more goals before the winter break so they can maybe ghost him under those radars at least. And a highlight for Nima, really, we, we mentioned Rance, well, I mentioned Rance last week um, for Mendy's excellent performance and their great run, but they've been eclipsed already, really, by by the team that came up with them in, in Nîmes, who've won 23 points now, six wins, and especially after this last run, they had a great start to the season, uh, kicked it off, but um, a 4-0 win over Dijon back in the start of November. It's only that loss to Nice that's the blemish on their record, you know, a victory against Strasbourg, a victory against Amiens, a victory against Colm. Many people will be saying, well, those are the games that they need to be winning, but absolutely they need to be winning them, and then they are. Um, it's great to see them starting to score Goals again. It's it's great to see them uh, attacking with intent and, and and being able to at least hold off these these sides around them at least. And I think it shows that they've definitely got the ability to to stay up in Liga this season. They've been a um, real on a real tear quietly in in some ways because it is facing some of those smaller sides. But they'll know that when it comes to the crunch time in the back end of the season that they've already played these teams. They've beat them and they've got the quality and the the strength and depth as well in, in attacking areas especially to to do that again and, and great to see Bozok as well get off the marker last weekend as well let's uh, hope he can bang in a few more for for Nima I'm sure they'll like a couple more goal scorers really within their I was going to say I thought it was that was a very nice goal as well like a nice exchange of passes and then he took it for considering he hasn't had the best season so far he took it really well yeah so, let's yeah. Let's hope he can do it. And Ferry's a very, very nice signing for them as well. That's a, um, We probably expected Ferry to be joining a sort of mid-table league outside and for Nimes to catch him up and uh, with uh, obviously Diallo out for the season and, and possibly, well, he's still con- contemplating full retirement at least. Anyway, he's a, a great player to get into to do them. He got that assist for the, for the Bozak goal as well, which will give him the world of good as well. Uh, that's all that we have for this week. My thanks to Eric, Jez, and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us again on Thursday as we preview that we'll, we'll talk about those final European games, but the main show will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye. <laughs>